Hello, dear listeners. We're doing something a little different today. Today's tale is a bit longer than usual. At the Night's End podcast, we pride ourselves on being a platform for connecting authors to their intended audience. Today, we have a tale written by Robert P. Otone, an author from East Islip, New York. He has an anthology named Her Infernal Name and Other Nightmares, due to be released on September 29th, and wants to give one lucky listener a signed copy. All you have to do is leave a review for the podcast, either on Apple Podcasts for iOS users, or head to podchaser.com and leave one there for everyone else. We will announce the winner in a couple of weeks. Good luck, everyone. For now, just sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. found my collection of undead. Quite a marvel, really, don't you think? A zombie for every occasion. (laughs) However, I must ask that you keep your arms and legs on this side of the fence. They're a dangerous lot, and we wouldn't want you to join the mindless. Who else would I tell my stories to? (laughs) Well, let's get to it then. Elevator of the Dead Written by Robert P. Ertone By the time Henry had left the office, the news had started reporting that the dead were rising from their graves. He hadn't been paying attention to the news, of course, because he was on a deadline. Mr. Mitchell, the firm's ranking partner, would be furious if Henry didn't get his report written up on time. So Henry, being a recent hire to the firm's pool of legal assistance, had to burn the midnight oil to get the report done. So what if he stayed two hours past his normal quitting time? His wife would understand. What's two extra hours taking care of their six-month-old without him? A lot, he thought, pressing the door close button in the elevator. He saw that there were two other floors lit up, so he wasn't the only one staying after hours in the Capri building located in the business district of Manhattan, referred to as Silicon Alley by those trying to make tech development in New York a thing. The Capri was an older building, but nice enough. Henry's firm primarily did contract and licensing law. Nothing exciting. No murder cases or juicy divorces. Just the humdrum day-in, day-out boredom of rich guys bringing on the latest software company's whiz-bang tech to streamline efficiency, or whatever the latest buzzword was. Henry was worried about leaving his wife alone with their kid for a couple extra hours. 
When he texted her to let her know that he needed to stay late, she responded with a thumbs up emoji and a smiley face. But he knew her smiley face emojis were often loaded with subtext, depending on which she used. This one, the traditional smiley face, meant that she was distracted and rushing, meaning the kid was being a pain. As cute and fun as their baby girl was, more often than not, Henry missed being able to relax at home with his wife after work, smoke a little pot, have sex, and fall asleep watching reruns of Seinfeld. The kid interrupted that. Henry didn't know that the end of the world would interrupt that further. The elevator stopped on the 10th floor and a young woman, hair graying down the center of her head, tiny, wearing a black and white pantsuit, stepped on. She wasn't unattractive, but she wasn't anything to write home about either. Her suit jacket had shoulder pads and Henry wondered if the jacket was a hand-me-down because didn't those go out of style in the 90s? He smiled and nodded and she did so as well. She had a briefcase, the initials TS monogrammed in gold. One more stop before the lobby, the fifth floor. Henry slipped a piece of gum in his mouth and thought of offering a piece to the woman but worried about offending her so fought off the urge. He was hoping he'd be able to catch the subway home, zipping over Brooklyn in a 15 or 20 minute ride that would go by uneventfully. He took his phone out and didn't have service, which wasn't unusual in the elevator, thinking maybe his wife texted him, but nothing. On the fifth floor, two people stumbled into the elevator, two men, one holding the other up. Behind them, in the quick glimpse Henry caught down the corridor, three figures lurched towards the elevator the buzz of sound around them. The lights were off, lit instead by the emergency red flashes of the hallway. No sirens though, no fire alarm. In the commotion, the tiny woman was barreled over by the two men, the one who was helping the other slamming his hand against the door close button frantically. He was screaming something in Spanish. Henry couldn't understand it, but he tried to see over the man's shoulders as the doors closed. Once they did, the man who was shouting in Spanish pressed the buttons for the top floors of the building. And once the elevator started moving, he slammed on the alarm button, stopping the elevator instantly. The lights in the elevator clicked over to red and Henry looked around, confused. The woman was still on the ground, shouting at the two men who came bursting in and Henry tried to help her up. But when he offered his hand, she pushed it away, pulling herself up on the rail inside the elevator instead. Henry took a good look at the man who had hit the elevator's alarm buttons. He was in coveralls, and his name tag said Tony. He was young, big, maybe 280 of solid muscle. The arms of his coveralls were tattered, and even in the red light, Henry could make out a scratch beneath the tear in his sleeves. Hey, you're bleeding, Henry said, putting his hand on Tony's shoulder. Tony paused and looked. He was breathing heavily and had a faraway look in his eyes. He was sweaty and looked confused, as though the wheels were spinning quickly and without direction in his mind, as though thoughts were happening all at once and information overload. Habla ingles, the woman asked, brushing herself off. A little, the man said, wiping his brow. He needs help. Hurt bad. Henry knelt down and looked at the man lying in a lump at their feet. The elevator, though large enough to support a capacity of 10 people, suddenly felt tiny with only four. Henry looked the man over, but didn't move him. He could see scratches and tears in the man's face, 
along with what looked like bite marks. What happened? Henry asked, confused. He checked the breathing of the man on the floor. Deep. Steady. He was still alive despite the scratches of varying depth and the bites. Did something bite him? In the lobby, many of them, Tony said. Many of what? The woman shouted. She was in Tony's face and seething. No see, he said quietly. Listen, let's calm down a bit. My name is Henry. I'm a legal assistant at- Who gives a shit? I need to get out of here, she screamed. Me llamo Tony, Tony said. Henry smiled and gestured to Tony's name tag, and they both chuckled. Nice to meet you, Tony. You work in this building? I haven't seen you before, Henry said, reaching into his messenger bag for some hand sanitizer in the hopes of cleaning Tony's wound. And this my first week, Tony said, sheepishly. Hell of a first week, Tonto, she said. Tony looked away from her, embarrassment on his face. What's your name? Henry asked her. Tina, she said after rolling her eyes, sighing. Nice to meet you. We may have to move him. Will you help me? I'm not touching that fucking guy. Are you kidding? Henry squeezed some sanitizer onto Tony's shoulder and instructed him to rub it into the wound. He handed Tony a handkerchief to dress the wound, and Tony did so while Henry turned to Tina. I know you're upset, but something's going on. This guy is hurt. Bad. He's bleeding like crazy, and Tony's arm is hurt. You and I are all he's got, Henry said, locking eyes with Tina. If we're all he's got, then this guy is fucked, she said angrily. Henry rolled his eyes. Fine, thanks for nothing. He knelt down again and rolled the man onto his back. For the first time, he saw the extent of the man's wounds. Deep cuts and bites ran along the left side of his face and neck. His suit, once a classic 80s drape, courtesy of Alan Flusser, now ripped to shreds and drenched in the man's blood. The red emergency lighting of the elevator made examining the wounds difficult, and Henry decided that no amount of hand sanitizer and cloth dressing could help the man. For a second, he wondered why Tony tried helping the man, seeing how fucked up he was, but then realized that Tony was just doing his best in a tough situation. What bit him? Other people? Tina asked to no one in particular. Los muertos, Tony said quietly. He clutched a small gold crucifix around his neck and praying softly in his native tongue. Los muertos? The fucking dead? Shut up, amigo. Por favor, Tina said, shoving Tony. That's enough, Henry said, stepping between her and Tony. What's your problem? Other than being a bitch in your office, what else do you bring to the table? Fuck you guys, she said, taking a seat in the corner of the elevator and producing a bottle of water from her bag. Shouldn't the emergency personnel or whatever have called over the speaker? Not if this shit's hitting the fan all over the city. A couple people stuck in an elevator wouldn't be a high priority, Henry said, looking at the ceiling of the elevator. He was looking for the emergency exit and found its outline. We need to know what's going on out there. Anyone have reception? Everyone checked their phones. Nothing. Henry knelt down and pulled the injured man's phone out of his coat pocket. He too had no service. Henry played with the man's phone a moment, but couldn't unlock it, since it was passcode protected. We can use our phone's internal radios to check for news. I've never used mine before, 
but if we all turn our phones off to conserve the batteries, we can at least have an idea of what's going on. If whatever's going on is all over the place, or just here, we'll know. Henry said, I'm not turning my phone off. Fuck that, Tina said. Tony turned his phone off and tucked it in his pocket. Henry turned the injured man's phone off too, just in case. He handed it to Tony, who pocketed it. Henry dialed in the radio on his phone, struggling to find it for a few minutes, but it crackled to life. Henry looked at Tony, happy that it actually worked, but Tony's eyes were locked on the phone itself. Henry used the touchscreen to search the FM radio band, only getting static. Eventually, they landed on a Spanish-speaking station. Tony put his hand on Henry's shoulder, urging him to stop. The words coming out of the phone didn't make much sense to Henry or Tina, but Tony listened intently, his eyes going wide, mouth agape at various points. The announcer, who spoke in a deep, steady voice, only spoke a few recognisable words to Henry, but the main one that stuck out to him was Los Muertos, the dead. Tony, what's he saying? Henry whispered. Tony shushed him and continued listening. After 20 more seconds of listening to the message, it started repeating itself and they all realised they were listening to a pre-recorded loop. Tony slumped to the floor, head in his hands. He looked at the man in the centre of the elevator, still breathing but barely holding on. Tony traced his hand along his own injury and began to cry. (laughs) What did they say? Henry said, kneeling down and placing a reassuring hand on Tony's shoulder. El fin del mundo, Tony whispered, his eyes swollen with tears. The end of the world. What? Tina shouted. What did he say? End of the world? Bullshit. Henry waved her away. What else did they say, Tony? Take your time. We don't have time to waste talking to this asshole. We need to get out of here. She screamed, looking around, a wave of claustrophobia hitting her hard. Henry stood up and tried putting his hand on her shoulder, trying to reassure her the way he was trying to reassure Tony, but she slapped his hand away. Don't fucking touch me. Look, just try and remain calm. We're going to get out of here, but we need more information. Just relax. We're going to get out of here. We can go up through the ceiling exit if we need to. Just chill the fuck out. Henry wasn't suited for this. Tina was in a panic, and Tony was broken. The man on the floor was dying. Henry never had any kind of crisis training. Got his bachelor in English and writing, for Christ's sake. And even with that useless degree, he barely got the job as a legal assistant after collecting unemployment for four months, having been fired from his job at a social media firm during a round of cutbacks. What about his wife? What about their baby? Henry felt an immense amount of guilt hit him, thinking that he wasn't a good husband and father for not thinking about them the entire time he'd been separated from them. Felt upset thinking that they were alone, and if this was, in fact, the end of the world, the fin del mundo, as Tony put it, then Henry had in fact been a terrible husband and father for not thinking solely about his family. I want to know where they are, Henry said. Tony, I'm going to go through the ceiling of the elevator and see if we're lined up with a floor or between floors or whatever. Can you spot me? Yes, Tony said, rising. He wiped his tears away with a massive hand, smeared with blood, either his own or from the man on the floor. With help from Tony, 
Henry was able to push open the emergency hatch above them and pull himself up onto the roof of the elevator. He looked around the elevator shaft and was surprised at how warm it was inside. The stale smell of oil and grease filled his nostrils and the entire shaft was bathed in the same red as the elevator car itself. He looked toward where the door would be and noticed that they were between floors 8 and 9. We went up a few floors, 8 and 9 to be exact, Henry shouted down to the others in the elevator car. Think maybe we try for 9. The 8th floor has a maintenance elevator, Tony shouted. Takes us outside, to the alley behind the building. Could try that. Henry dropped back down into the car. He looked at the man on the floor, then at Tony's shoulder. What else did the radio say about Los Muertos? He see that they rise from the grave. People who get bit or scratched from them. When they die, they come back, Tony said, carefully. So you're fucked, Tina said, <laughs> the stress of the situation making her laugh. Henry looked at Tony's wound. It was still bleeding. He didn't know how to dress a wound and had no idea if the hand sanitizer would work, but it was all he had. Henry had started practically bathing in the stuff when his daughter came along. The thought of bringing Manhattan germs home to his wife and kid was unacceptable. You're gonna be okay. I promise, Henry said, nodding to Tony. Tony, smiling, nodded too. You shouldn't lie to him, Tina said. Even I know that. So what's the move? Those things, the ones that attacked him. Henry gestured to the man on the floor. They're on the fifth floor. That means they could be all over either floor eight or nine by now. Who knows? Or they might not be there at all. I say the maintenance elevator is our best bet, Tina said, pulling a cigarette from her purse and lighting it. Really? Tony asked, rolling his eyes. Got a problem, Tonto? Tony shook his head. Henry thought about the choice. It seemed obvious. The maintenance elevator could take them outside, but who knew what was waiting for them? Maybe it really was the end of the world, and the dead were rising from their graves all over. Maybe it was a localised thing, only a few city blocks or something. Wouldn't the military be mobilised and be able to handle this situation pretty quickly? Firepower and weapons able to overwhelm a bunch of shambling dead people. Were they shambling? Were they really dead? Henry's mind raced. Tony, help me pry these doors open. We're going for the maintenance elevator, Henry said. Tony helped him pull the doors apart, which wasn't very difficult. And when they did, the second set of doors leading to the eighth floor was the only thing between them and the corridor leading to the maintenance elevator, which Tony said was across an office of cubicles, a large row wide open in between to allow the delivery of supplies and other goods. Tony placed his ear to the door and held his hand up for quiet. Henry and Tina looked around, confused. You hear that? You what? Tina asked, shoving Tony out the way, putting her own ear to the door. A sound, like a buzzing, like bees. Listen close, Tony said. I don't hear shit. Let's go. Let's get this thing open, Tina said, pulling on the doors. Even with her tiny frame, she was able to push the doors open herself. And with her head down, she didn't notice half a dozen hands slipping through the door until one of them grabbed her by the hair and started pulling. No, 
No, God, no, she screamed. Henry grabbed her hands, Tony too, and they started pulling her back into the elevator car. Eventually the doors wedged halfway open, and those in the car could see what was on the other side. About ten office workers, eyes glowing, a faint yellow, in various stages of death. Some damaged more than others, chunks of flesh missing, bite marks and scratches all over them. Tina roared, a voice cutting through the rhythmic buzzing of the creatures pulling at her. More hands appeared through the small opening in the elevator. They grabbed her face, her shoulders, whatever they could. Her jacket was pulled off, shoulder pads going with it. Somehow, Tina was even smaller than initially thought, and as she was pulled through the small opening, Henry's eyes locked with hers and noted the pleading. All hostility and anger that had been in her eyes had vanished, and in its place, desperation. (coughs) Tony held on longer than Henry did, long after Henry realised it was to no avail. The creatures were on her, the dead tearing at her flesh, pulling her arms from the sockets and tearing her from the elevator car. Her tiny frame didn't help her. To pull Henry, Tony, or the guy on the floor through would have been difficult even for five or ten of these creatures, but to pull Tina through, no problem at all. Her screams were cut off by one of the creatures biting out her tongue, which was the last thing Henry saw before he turned to vomit. Tony slid the doors closed, then closed the doors of the car as well. For a moment, the gravity of what had just happened hung in the air. Tina was gone. Henry wiped his mouth, leaned against the wall, and suddenly felt the car was bigger. We go to the ninth floor. Hope for the best. Maybe take the steps down to the eighth floor. Take the maintenance elevator to the back alley. What do you think? Tony nodded. What about him? Henry looked at the man. In all the commotion, they didn't know if he was still breathing or not. Henry leaned down and listened. His breathing had become slower, deeper, We could carry him with us. I go through the roof of the car. You hold him up. I pull him through. We carry him together to the stairwell on the ninth floor. And so they went. Tony helped Henry up through the emergency exit on the ceiling of the elevator car. Once he was through, he started pulling the doors to the ninth floor open. He looked into the office and noticed it was empty. The rows of cubicles were bathed in red light, like everything else and Henry couldn't pick up even the slightest hint of movement on the floor. Couldn't tell what kind of business it was, but the rows of cubicles and large glass-walled offices were filled with trinkets, photos, toys and more. Their owners nowhere to be found. Henry was thankful it was after hours in the building for the first time that evening. Okay, lift him up, Henry whispered to Tony. He watched as Tony, at first, struggled with the injured man, slinging his left arm over his shoulder and hoisting him to his feet. Tony wrapped his arms around the man's lower waist area and lifted carefully. The man slumped, but Henry reached through the emergency opening and did his best to keep him propped up to keep the strain off Tony, who was doing the heavy lifting. Henry wrapped his arms under the man's and started hoisting him up. Tony, still in the car, pushed the man's legs and through the opening 
and in a few seconds the man was on his back, on top of the elevator. Everything okay? Tony asked. Henry paused and checked the injured man's breathing. Nothing. Henry stood up and looked down to Tony. Without warning, the injured man's eyes bolted open, a soft yellow glow replacing his pupils and cornea. He rose slowly and started towards Henry, a low grunting emerging from his mouth, the first noise he'd made since stumbling into the elevator car what seemed like ages ago. Henry backed against the edge of the car and looked around desperately for something with which he could fend the man off. The man stumbled slowly toward Henry, and Tony, who was directly under the opening in the car, shouted for Henry to keep moving and to stay away from the injured man, mostly in Spanish. As the injured man closed in on Henry, he stepped directly into the hole in the roof of the car and fell through, slamming his face on the lip of the opening. The injured man fell directly on top of Tony, who screamed. They struggled for a while and Henry, poised on the edge of the opening into the car, could only watch as the injured man sunk his teeth into Tony's throat. Tony screamed, his eyes meeting Henry's, and pushed the injured man off himself. Henry, confused, looked around desperately, but couldn't figure out what to do, and as Tony screamed and fought the injured man in the car, Henry slipped into the ninth floor, hoping to open the door and get Tony out of the car. As he slid down, he opened the rest of the shaft doors, then started pulling on the car's doors. They wouldn't budge. Henry listened as Tony's screams eventually died out, and then slumped against the elevator car's doors. He felt a pang of guilt and frustration, knowing that there wasn't anything he could do but still feeling terrible nonetheless. He felt different than when Tina was pulled apart. She was nasty. Tony wasn't. He was a genuinely good soul, and Henry wept for him as he would a close friend, even though they only knew each other for a short while. As Henry sat there, leaning against the elevator car's doors, they slid open and he fell backward. With the doors open, he dropped back into the elevator car and looked around at the bloody carnage inside. The injured man's legs were broken, and he was attempting to crawl over the body of Tony, who lied between himself and Henry. Henry stood up and looked at the injured man, at his glowing yellow eyes, and grabbed Tina's pocketbook, as well as his own messenger bag, and started climbing back out of the elevator and onto the ninth floor. Once he was clear of the car, Henry turned around and saw Tony's body twitching back to life. He guessed that turning into one of those things had to do with how quickly one passed away. And because Tony died almost instantly, he was reanimated almost instantly. Either way, Henry started walking towards the maintenance elevator, having swiped Tony's keys first. Henry was at least smart enough to know that he'd need maintenance or janitorial keys to get the elevator to work. Meeting the massive metal doors of the maintenance elevator, Henry put the keys in, turned them, and waited. Once the elevator arrived, he wondered why it still worked when their own elevator was locked in place. He figured it was an emergency type thing for the fire department or cops, so they could get in and out of the building quickly. But either way, he didn't care. He was happy that the elevator worked and wasn't full of those things. Henry got inside turned the key and pressed the button for the bottom floor 
which was supposed to open into the back alley of the building. The maintenance elevator moved slower than the regular one. It was stuck in moments earlier. But Henry used the time to see if he had service. Thankfully, he did. And saw that he had multiple texts from his wife, asking if he was okay and what was going on. He texted her back, telling her he was alright and would try and get home as soon as possible. He told her he loved her and sent her a heart emoji. She responded back with one as well. Henry smiled when he saw it. He knew she always meant the heart emoji, even when she was stressed out, overtired, or overworked. The heart emoji was the most sincere one in her book, and Henry took solace knowing that she was okay, and that their baby was okay. As the maintenance elevator doors opened, Henry heard a familiar buzz, not unlike the eighth floor where Tina met her demise. The doors opened slowly and spread before Henry were 30 or so of the creatures, crowded together in the alley, shuffling and moving almost in unison, their yellow eyes glowing brightly in the darkness. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Elevator of the Dead was written by Robert P. Otone. This and many other fantastic tales by Robert are included in his next release, Her Infernal Name and Other Nightmares, which will be released on September 29th. As we said at the start of the episode, for your chance to win a signed copy, leave a review for the podcast. We'll be choosing a winner in the next couple of weeks. Links are in the episode description. Thanks for listening. Stay horrific, everyone.